Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar, reminding us all to, as we get back to the land of the living, follow all guidelines along the way. Uh, I know it's tough times, guys, trying times. Uh, just hard to agree or disagree. Wear a face mask. Don't wear a face mask. Just as we go through this thing, it's a, it's a brand new situation for us all. Uh, follow guidelines along the way. Uh, go to visitmississippi.org to find out all the cool things you can do just a short distance away. It's in our backyard. So many cool things. All right. Talk about hard working. A kid, his first job was working on a pump truck facilitating human waste, I said it, in uh, ore mines at the age of 15, the tender age of 15 years old. He'd eventually turn that to gold. (laughs) He used the money he earned there to travel to Italy for ski race training. An international ski champion with the U.S. ski team, he's traveled to over 18 countries, three continents, 48 states, and covered millions of miles. He's been clocked at over 100 miles per hour on skis. Are you kidding me? I've been clocked at four, and I felt like I was flying. (laughs) He was named to the World Cup ski team back in 1984. He was the North American downhill champ, a national collegiate ski champ, an academic All-American, a Europa Cup downhill competitor, North American downhill champion, junior nationals top five rankings in the country, and top 550 world ranking. I met him through another dear friend of mine, U.S. ski team member Terry Ahola. He's been on my show. It was a while back. So please welcome in. It's been a long time catching up with my pal, Sam Collins. Hey, Sam. Yo, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. Where are you right now? I'm in Castle Rock, Colorado. When I reconnected with you, you let me know you were back home in Gladstone, Michigan, the UP. What were you uh, doing there? Why were you there? Yeah, I went back to... Uh visit my mom back in Gladstone, Michigan, and I was up there uh, doing some uh, work for my mom. So tell me what's in the water. You know, here down in the Mississippi Delta and in Mississippi in general, there's been this incredibly historic, uh, you know, the arts, the music, uh, it's just insane, right? This Just something in the water, we call it. Well, there's been a lot of great skiers come from your area. Why? I think it's uh, you know I think traditionally it's been a it's been a family sport. A lot of people uh, in that part of the country really really got to take the winners. Otherwise, why live there? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> the UP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
definitely a, a wintry place. And, you know, they don't have big mountains or anything, but they have local hills just about in every town. And every kid goes to the local ski hill. So, you know, they're not really big. It's really not too expensive to get into, per se, versus like skiing in Colorado. But, you know, you just got a lot of participation. You got a lot of people who enjoy the sport, both both alpine, snowboarding, and um, cross-country. So, you know, for, for myself, it was mostly the alpine side. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I like the... I like the freedom, you know, of uh, flying down the hill, and I, I, I just took to it, you know. I just really enjoyed it when I was growing up. You've seen me ski, and it's not pretty, and you were always so supportive. Uh, I remember your daughter, Catherine, uh, taking our son, Adrian. You know, Adrian would be chasing her through all the – he goes, man, she likes to go through the trees a lot, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and when they were yeah. younger, and, and it's all those years we got to spend together at the, at the uh, American Ski Classic and get to know each other and our kids being together. Uh, and now I see that your daughter is married. I think I saw a picture of you guys, and she's all grown up, and I don't understand it. Yeah, she's all grown up, married, and actually uh... – I have a granddaughter. Uh, her name is Ellie. So Come Catherine is a, a mom. Wow. So tell me real quick about what she's doing, besides um, being a mom, which is the most important thing. Yeah. She's uh, met this really nice man, uh, Zach. And uh, they met, and, you know, they just they just hit it off. And after a while, they got married. And Zach is, has his own company, his own um you know, I'll call it an IT company, but he specializes in programming for um, marketing websites. Wow. And so Catherine, being that uh, she's pretty much a whiz on the old keyboard herself, so she kind of fell right into the family business there. So it's uh, Zach and Katie Buckinaw doing their thing, raising wow. Ellie. Wow, they're working together. So cool. All right, so yeah. for you, okay, for her, like growing up skiing, you know, where you guys in Colorado and all that, did she ever have the desire at all to chase what you chased? Because I, I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew she was a great skier, but she was younger, you know. So how far did she take her skiing? You know, she didn't, uh, she didn't really have uh, an opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, unfortunately, her mother and I weren't able to uh, stay together. So once we uh, ended that relationship, her mother was dating another man who she ended up marrying and moved to Florida. So she went from right, Bell, right. Colorado to Florida. Right, and right. And she was down there for about, I don't know, six years or so, and then she ended up moving back to Milwaukee where her mother is from. And, you know, she skied through high school, but it it just wasn't the same. You know, right. It wasn't like having me around to, to, to chase her down the mountain. Right, I've seen you. I've seen you go straight <laughs> down. I've seen where you point your skis. Just FYI. And they, there's, yeah. there is no 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock at all with you. It's straight <laughs> at high noon. That's what you do. I've seen it. And I'm going like, it, it freaks me out to watch you, especially you. You just seemed like, you know, at least Terry Ahola admitted later in life he was scared, like it scared him. because. But you just seemed to like just to go straight downhill. I don't understand it. And I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna dig into this whole psyche of y'all because uh, – I mean, look, I'm from the Mississippi Delta, so I understand Florida, right? So it's it's what it is, and it's a different kind of skiing. You know, we water ski or we whatever, and I'm still not good at that. But uh, it's just interesting just to understand why you desired and weren't afraid of this speed. And the more 
you got, the more you craved, the more you wanted. Uh, I guess it's the feeling of being on stage at Madison Square Garden. I guess, you know, I know that feeling. Um, so, yeah. so I get it. Uh, but, but playing guitar is a lot safer and singing for people, you know, <laughs> than, yeah. what, than what you did. All right, let's go back to your wonder years. I love digging into the past. Tell me about your folks. Um, obviously, Gladstone, Michigan, for you people out there that are not sure where Gladstone is in the UP, the Upper Peninsula, where Lake Michigan in the summers is just glorious. It's just glorious. But you do have skiing and all this. Take me back to growing up and what it was like being a young Sam Collins. Okay, well, you know, I would have to say, you know, you talk about speed and the, and the, uh, my comfortability with speed was, was because of my parents, I believe, is, you know, uh, as I grew up, you know, my dad, you know, we had a little boat, we used to go out and, you know, we were learning to water ski before we were five, my older sister and I, and, you know, doing the skiing thing, and then uh, my dad also liked to ride motorcycles, so, uh, you know, and this is like, late 60s they didn't even have little motorbikes for us little tykes so i think i had a mini bike but i got into the motorcycles and my mom and dad also in the winters raced snowmobiles my mom was the michigan state snowmobile champion in 1970 well there we go so i remember i got i was i think i got over 100 miles an hour on the first thing on the first Machine was a snowmobile, I believe. Come on. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. 100 miles an hour. I didn't know they went that fast. Oh, yeah. I, my mom's machine was, uh, it ran on the nitro and alcohol. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. This is insane. It's so cool. Yeah, way back then. I think I've been crazy. 60, 65 on it, and I felt like, you know, it was 1,000 miles an hour. So that's interesting. I, I, every mile an hour over 60 probably feels like, you know, it's probably substantial, you know, and, and the feeling that you get. What, when are you allowed to go? What's the water have to? Is it have to be like glass, safety wise? I mean, or have you taken on 100 miles an hour being a little choppy? For what's that? You know, on a jet ski. Can you can you oh, jet ski 100 miles an hour on choppy water? Oh, I doubt it. I I'm not a jet skier, but you know, for um, skis, you know, definitely the you know you definitely needed a slope that was uh, smoothed out. Let's say crazy so yeah and then uh so even those wonder years i was really big into motocross all the way into my young teenage years and my dad said to me said sam i can't afford these sports you choose like racing motorbikes and ski racing you have to pick one and i don't know if it was because of the fall and skiing was coming up i chose skiing over the motocross wow but uh i was a big time motocross racer too uh until i was about I don't know, seventeen or so. Yeah, yeah. Rick, then, Ricky Fowler so, cho- chose golf instead of motocross. I know he was doing that as well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with my pal Sam Collins, uh, former U.S. ski team member, went 100 miles an hour on skis. I know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Uh, don't go nowhere. Go to, but if you're going to go somewhere, go to visit Mississippi.org. Check out everything you got to do right here. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. I'm Steve Azar in Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Talking Wonder Years in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with my beautiful pal, Sam Collins, former U.S. ski team member. Went 100 miles an hour like it was no big deal. Straight down, high noon, skis pointed that direction. Maybe 6 o'clock. I guess it'd be 6 o'clock if you're going downhill. So let's say 6 o'clock. So you never actually did uh, 5 o'clock, pointed your skis at 5 o'clock or, uh, what is it, 7 o'clock. You were always 6 p.m. There you go, or 6 a.m. All right. Go to visit Mississippi.org, as I always preach. Uh, so many incredible, cool things to do. Go to the Jim Henson Museum. You can go to Country Music Trail Markers. Visit them, the Blues Trail Markers. Just so cool. So many great things to do right here. I'm talking to my pal, Sam Collins. Sam, the motocross days, was Pete Maurer, was he there with you guys at school as well? Because you know, Pete obviously built Michael Jordan's racing bikes for all those years, still does, and does all the Nike football helmets. And were you all, you guys all grow, did y'all grow up together, the three of you guys, you and Terry and Pete? Uh, well, you know, they were a little older than I was, so I, I didn't really know them that much in, uh, in high school and uh, racing bikes, I was uh, when I got to Gladstone. I would have to say I wasn't really into the motocross too much anymore. I, it was probably uh, I don't know. I think my dad gave me that ultimatum. I, I think like eighth, ninth grade in high school, and uh, you know that's when I made the full-on switch to full-time skiing. And you know, both were were really exciting for me with the uh, competition. You know, the ski racing I was you know, ranked top 20 in the nation for 18 and under. And in the state of Michigan, I think I was in the top five. Yeah, wow. So, so I mean, both those sports I just uh, really enjoyed. And then when you talk about the speed, I was, you know, definitely hanging it out there. But I enjoyed that. I think I had a, a comfort level with speed, you know, just uh, because that's part of the, the mantra of the downhill ski racer is, you know, definitely – there's fear, obviously, and you if you're not scared, you know, then there's an issue. But, you know, you just seek that perfection. And uh, what was it on TV? Just last week they had that uh, the weight of gold mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the swimmer on HBO, and I thought that was really cool. And they were using the term hyper-focus. Right. And, I, and they didn't have words like that when, when I was a competitor. It was more like if you fell down, you know, you get back up and you just brush yourself off, you know. <laughs> You know, put yourself back to, put yourself back together again you're you know you grab your leg which is over you know 100 yards away and put snap it back on right right <laughs> god, god the falls you guys took gosh it's amazing all right when you go to italy why what was in italy that with this training and then was it a big jump start did it give you sort of an edge uh you know sort of take you to another level yeah i think so it really opened up my eyes you know just God, we were talking back in, I think it was 77. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I went, I flew over there and I, I went with a couple other people I had known from ski racing from the Midwest. Uh, there was a group of us, maybe about 25 of us. We all met in Zurich and then we got in a van and we drove to northern Italy. And, you know, back then they had the borders up and you had to have your passports and there was lots of, uh, you know, lots of uh, military running around, you know, with the borders and stuff. It was pretty pretty intense and just uh you know right there i knew that this was awesome because you're in the alps now you know you're like nobody spoke english and you're just finding your way by body gestures and stuff like that trying to you know order food and living up there and uh i got to ski with some of the world's best ski racers who were racing on the world cup at the time uh ingemar stenmark he was there 
some Yugoslavian guys, the Italian guys. So all of a sudden I get to see all these people who are like at the pinnacle of the sport and just being a young kid, you're just like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. And that's what I want to do. Wow. So that was the, uh, that was the eye-opening time where I was just like, wow, I can do this, what they're doing versus being separated. You know, it was like they were on the same course as I was and they could speak broken English. So you got to, uh, uh, speak and, you know, and bridge the gap there between languages and stuff. So, yeah. So my first trip to Europe was just eye-opening because I did get to go to, uh, you know, Switzerland and Northern Italy and, right. you know, and saw what the Alps were all about. I had been to the to the Rocky Mountains and then to the East Coast, but then when you were in the Alps, you know, it was just different. It was uh, it was really cool, and I just said that this is what I want to do. The mo- we're talking to Sam Collins, uh, former U.S. ski team member, former ski great. Uh, like to go fast, very fast, hundred miles an hour plus. So that says it all. Uh, I'm trying to okay. So the Alps versus Beaver Creek, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's where the World Ski Championship, that's where I did the song, wrote the song Fly For, uh, for the fi- 2015 World Alpine Ski Championships. What was the difference between the, the, the two regions? Yeah. Well, you know, the the biggest, uh, once I got older, because uh, over there, you were always skiing above the tree line. And as I got older, or a little bit older, I, I uh, was told, and then I read about how the latitude of the Alps is so much further north. So if you can imagine at the border of Canada in the United States up north, say Minnesota or, you know, even in the upper peninsula where I'm from, that's where the Alps would lie if we went across the pond and kept on the same latitude. Mm. So when you come down to Colorado, which is, you know, I don't, I don't know how many miles that is, what, 500 miles, 700 miles? I don't know. Yeah, it's a ways. It's away. a ways, but then yeah. that's why the trees can grow up into the 10, close to 11,000 feet, you still see vegetation. Versus in Europe, you're always, the, the uh, tree line is at 8,500 feet. So even though the mountains are the same height, over there, you're above tree line, and as you ski down, you're always in these big open snowfields. That is cool. And then the other thing is, too, they're, they're more in the valley, like the Rockies, you know, are just pushed up. So, like, here in Castle Rock, I'm over a mile high, so I live at 6,000 feet, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then you go ski at Beaver Creek, and the race starts at 10,500 feet, so you're 5,500 vertical feet, throwing the mountains, so you only can get about maybe 3,000 vertical feet in versus the Alps. If you go to one of the big resorts over there, you can start skiing at 12,000 feet, but you can ski down to 3,000 feet, so you get like seven or 8,000 vertical feet, and that's why you can ski for, you know, 10, 15 miles. <laughs> when, when is steep too steep? Is that, uh, is that a good when question? When you notice you're in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and your, your skis are never touching the, touching the snow at all? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. So, all right, so I got the answer to that. When is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, okay, when? When do you get your best speed? What kind of snow? Is it powder? Is it ice? Is it, I mean, we've, we've skied on both together. Uh, the ice, it just, it freaks me out, but it seems like it's fast. But what's, what's better for speed? Well, you know what? The, the temperature plays a role in that because the friction that you're creating on the 
surface of the snow with your skis creates a suction or a barrier on there. And so we use uh, certain types of products of waxes and polymers and stuff to break that friction on the skis. So the most optimum, like you're saying, ice, ice is fast, but not as fast as, let's say, if it was the snow. Now, the ice can give you the the uh, feeling of going faster, but I think that if the snow was, let's say, warmer, where it wasn't quite ice and you had some specialized racing application on the base of your skis, I think that's when it's the best. And you want to, you want to have the, the sun on there a little bit. So it's a combination of more than just saying, you know, ice versus hard-packed snow or too wet of snow. There's, there is definitely a a sweet spot when you put all those elements of being outside and you're using the equipment that you have. So that's, that's interesting to to me because I would be, instead of using polymers uh, and applications to help you go faster, I would be using, it's what you call snow Velcro. It's my own version of things that help me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad. We were with my man, Sam Collins, former U.S. ski team member, former 100 miles an hour, raced against some of the greatest skiers in the world. Uh, Just really a great career. And I want to talk about some of these big races coming up. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Uh, Don't forget, visit Mississippi.org, the place to go right now. Short drive away, short walk away for some of us. People like me down here in the Delta, I can walk some places. I'm not going to do it, but I could. And uh, and just go check out all the great things that they have to offer right there. You can come to Greenville, Mississippi in front of Jim's Cafe. I am Country Trail Marker 32, and uh, I may show up and just take you to breakfast. Who knows? We're with my pal Sam Collins. Sam? Uh, you get to play DJ. We are the birthplace of American music. Obviously, Michigan, uh, where you grew up, held some incredible skiers. Uh, but we claim, uh, and we uh, rightly claim, uh, our right to be the birthplace. So, would you like to hear into the break a little Elvis Presley or B.B. King? I will do, um, you know what, I'll go with, with the King, man. That's which, how I roll. Which King? I'll go with the King. Which King? Elvis Presley. All right, all right. We're Sam Collins. Don't go nowhere. You're in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. For over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hello, world. Here I am standing over this little King Elvis Preston, King B.B. King. We have plenty of kings. That's how we roll down here. I am in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with my pal Sam Collins, former U.S. ski team member. Uh, a man that loves his speed uh, and a man that freaks me out when I see it. Uh, go to visitmississippi.org to find out everything you can do right here. So many great things. So many great things. Uh, Sam, 
Let's start talking about when you arrived as far as on the national and global scene. Uh, when was it? And can you can you pinpoint a time when you just when things started to really pop for you? Were were you in great shape? You know, you were obviously needed to be healthy. When was it? Yeah, you know, I uh, you know I can honestly say at this time when you're when you you asked me specifically, I think it was a uh, a time of uh, choices. And I was out of high school, and I was actually. Uh, making my way and training at a place called uh, Mission Ridge, Washington. And a friend of mine who won the gold, first gold medal for the United States in downhill, Billy Johnson, that's where I met him. And he said, you got to come here and train downhill if you want to be a downhiller because they have the facilities to go fast every day. And you don't have to worry about running into people because all the paths are closed. And I remembered when I went home that spring, I said to myself, Am I really going to be serious about this? And if I was going to do it, I had to be serious. So I made the choice to start, you know, dry land training every day, three to six hours a day, six days a week, day in, day out. So when the fall came, I knew that I was in shape. Mm-hmm. And I was also uh, went to, uh, you know, Timberline Lodge out in Oregon in the summertime. And that fall... There was a invite USC team camp for the top 15 people who weren't on the USC team. So, like, they had the top 10 guys in the country, and then they took the next 15. And I was invited, and I was, like, number 11. And for some reason, I just had a terrible camp. I My skis didn't work. I didn't work. I don't know what it was. But that really made me hyper-focused, and so that whole winter in the United States, I didn't lose one race. Wow. And so then when the U.S. ski team came back for the U.S. Nationals that year, and the NORAMs were were starting, I basically, what I say is I skied my way into the ski team because they couldn't deny me, if you win, you're on the team. Right. If you win, like you say, win, baby, win. Yeah. So I was just winning. <laughs> but... When that spring showed up, I, you know, I was put on the team. I was ranked top 50 in the world, and, you know, that's how, that's how you make it. You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't because I had a, you know, bunch of possibilities and always looking good. No, I was, I was definitely uh, putting that winning attitude in there, and I had some help from some teammates at the time as well who I kind of chummed around with on the ski team that were – Right. Uh, successful. So that's, that's how it happened for so, myself. Everybody so, had a little bit different story. but Yeah, well, so top 50 in the world. So we watch golf, and we, we know that, that number 50 can beat one at any point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just not that much difference, really. Uh, you know, somebody gets hot, and they make their way up toward the top. Top 50 in the world against number one in the world in skiing, you know, it, uh, can 50 beat one? Did 50 beat one? You know what I mean? Like, did it happen for you? No. I, you know, I, I, I had some what we call speed sections. You know, it is a, you know, in a minute and a half run, you have sections along the way. In some sections, I was really fast. I was right in there in the top five, top ten, every once in a while. But I never really hit my stride, if you want to use that term, in ski racing. But mm-hmm. um, it was a learning curve. Uh, when I made the U.S. ski team, there was a significant... Uh, change in competition 
And it's just like he said, at that time, there was a hundred guys at the starting gate. Now today on the World Cup, there might be 50 guys racing the downhill, 60. Hmm. But back when I was racing, there's always a hundred guys. So wow. when you're in the top 50, yeah, there was a few guys that punched it in there and they, they created some uh, noise, you know, with their performances starting, if you want to call it back of the pack. So back then, yeah, yeah you could do that. And, uh, you know, times were a little bit different than today. We didn't have ice back when we when I was racing. We didn't have nets. If you went off course, you went into the woods. <laughs> so there was a death. There was a you know a life a life uh, challenge there for a lot of people, and that's why the um, you know you had to have really nerves of steel because if you, if you got into trouble, you could be uh, you know it could be life threatening. You could say. I would but, choose uh, the net, just FYI. Instead of the trees? Yeah, well, they didn't have those back then. They had hay bales sometimes, but, of course, when it snowed out and then the sun hit them, they turned ice blocks, so they yeah. really didn't do yeah, much. Yeah, run into an ice block instead. That's funny. Well, wait a minute. It wouldn't be funny. All right, so the like Franz Klammer, for instance, we we were at the World Ski Chan- the uh, American Ski Classic, and they were honoring him that one year, and they yep. showed, the obviously, the historical race when... And first of all, watching it, were you racing against him then? Because I can't rem- quite remember. You should have been racing against Franz at some point, right? I did. He uh, was ending his career. He was in the twilight of his career. Uh, you know, I was racing in the mid-'80s, and, you know, 10 years earlier when he made that historic run in Innsbruck was in 76. So I was racing against him 10 years later. So that's why wow. we call him the Kaiser because he was – on top for so long. And yeah. Is he the he greatest so skier of all time, you think? Downhiller? Yeah. Yeah, I would have to say so. He uh, he definitely lit it up and with you met him, he's got a great personality, yeah. great charisma and Yeah. I remember riding the lift up with him when we were training with the Austrians in uh Hintertux, Austria and that's when I first met him and we actually talked about riding enduro motorcycles and stuff and he was up there, and he wished me luck and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I, I doubt he ever remembered that, but I did. Because here's the the best guy in the world. You know, it's like going golfing with the uh, Tiger or Jack. Tiger right? Woods yeah. or something every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It seems uh, like you guys are a club. Uh, obviously competitive. And maybe because you guys were so competitive with each other and you understood uh, the violence of the sport, but yet the – you know, it was almost like you soar and you're you're a dove flying down the mountain, but yet there's such aggressiveness to it. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? But I think that y'all appreciated the danger in it, but appreciated the the beauty in it together. And just to watch you all together, and you know, Franz Klammer, Franz Weber, the Mar- the stories were all the same. You know, and you talk about Franz Klammer, he's you know, it was like he looked like it was like looking at Bjorn Borg. You know, he's very charismatic. Uh, looked like a rock star, you know, like, you know, put a yeah. strap of guitar on him. And he just, he was just built for that. Almost like he was put on this planet to be that guy, you know, <laughs> so, cause, cause he had it all, he had it all, you know, and still does. As far as longevity for you guys, like when we'd go back to do the, back when they had the American ski classic and you'd strap on skis, how did you feel about that? You know, even though we were doing, uh, you know, the race on the course and all that, 
you know, Terry Ahola would say he, it scared him a lot, you know, because he wasn't, you know, he was barring helmets and barring skis and skiing in jeans. Everybody else is dressed to the hilt, right? Um, right. How did you feel? You know, it's a physical sport. No, there's you know, no, and you, no doubt. You know, you don't want to hurt yourself, but uh, kind of back to what you asked before, I would have to say that, yes, the ski racers and the ones that were at the top, is, it is a kind of a fraternity, you know. Uh, yeah. So if you say back when I was on the team with Billy Johnson and, you know, back in the mid-'80s, and say there was 10 guys on that team, so now jump jump ahead, uh, what, 35 years? There's only another 30 guys that could be on that team. Wow, that's right. I mean, that's, that's boy, that's a, a small list, isn't it? Yeah, it gets really, it is a small athletes. list. That's why the right. fraternity is, it is. You get together with these guys that were there, that stayed there for a while. They, everybody does have that respect and the camaraderie because they know what it took to get there and the dangers, you know, some of the players, you know, in one fall, it didn't matter if it was the downhill or the GS or the slalom. You know, if you had a really bad fall, that could have been career-ending. Right. You know, all of a yeah. sudden your life has changed from that moment yeah. forward. Yeah. So the appreciation so of knowing that, that. Right, right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with my pal Sam Collins, a former U.S. ski team member, went 100 miles an hour on skis. I know. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Uh, don't go nowhere. Go to, but if you're going to go somewhere, go to visit Mississippi.org. Check out everything you got to do right here. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. I'm Steve Azar, and you're in Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. I'm going to fly on my own two feet from a cool mile high. I can see every dream with my whole life. And there they go, those swinging games. I was born to feel this screaming wind against my face. Oh, I'm a vengeance. I'm not afraid. Feel with fire and spirit. I'm still trying to find my way around. Hey, folks. For over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talking wonder years in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with my beautiful pal, Sam Collins, former U.S. ski team member. Go to visit Mississippi.org, as I always preach. Just so cool. So many great things to do right here. I'm talking to my pal, Sam Collins. What about the competition, though? What about, like, with your competitors? Did, was it easy to become friends with since you saw each other so much, or did you despise each other for a while? <laughs> I think there's a... You know, underneath, everybody wants to beat the other guy. But I think, you know, honestly, I can say for myself, I, I learned that it was better to have more teammates 
to confide in, to work with, was advantageous to be a better ski racer because, like we were talking, it's, everybody's about the same, but it comes down to the mental game. Who can put it together on that one run for that minute and a half? Who's going to make the, let's say, least amount of mistakes or the less costly mistakes to make it in there? So if a guy came down and he was in first place and just for a number, he was one minute flat, and then the guy in 30th place was one minute point two, so two-tenths slower, there was 30 guys. Man, yeah, you know, that's insane. So the competition was very tight, very close, so you always look to use whatever you could find that would help you become better. And as I got older, I learned that having teammates or other people to work with was better because then you got more than just yourself trying to solve a problem of how to keep your momentum mm-hmm. in a ski race because that's it's a gravity sport, you know? No fooling. <laughs> no so no, if you dropped no a, fooling. If you, if you dropped a, you know, a marble on a track, they'd all end up the same, but if you put some turns in there and some jumps and steeps and everything else that you need to do, all of a sudden they started arriving at different times. So that's where you would use your teammates to help you um, get through sections wow. of a course better than you did the last time. So you're a two-time All-American in college and an academic All-American as well, but you guys win the national championship from we- at Western State University, right? Uh, yeah. What was that when you win a national championship? I mean, you're talking about the best skiers in college. Uh, yeah, that was that was a great time. That was my freshman year in college. I uh, I got let go from the ski team. And I had some uh, recruiters approach me for skiing on the, their college programs. And I had never really had thought much about college, but I go, wow, you're going to give me a full ride to a higher education, which I never really went to high school. I mean, I was back in high school when they just, if you showed up, you got a D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got out. <laughs> you were one of the smarter ones though i know that <laughs> well not in high school you know academically i got out of there but i was like i was saying focused on another another thing it wasn't education in high school but when i got to college i really did buckle down and i i just found uh higher education a, a really enlightening thing for myself and i really enjoyed it but when we won the national championship that was great and the next year we got second and then the next year we got we were right in there again. But uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, a great, great uh, kind of like for me, you know, going from the World Cup, which is the height of it, and then dropping back onto the uh, college platform. I thought it was great because I I got to take all the knowledge that I had accumulated and passed it on to all these other racers yeah. that's on our team. Totally get it. And you're the captain of that team. Uh, eventually, mm-hmm. right? So that, yeah, it just totally makes sense. Well, a Mississippi Minute is like a downhill ski race at going 100 miles an hour because it goes so fast, you know. But, but it takes, you know, it's an hour, you know, basically an hour show. So it's uh, what I'm saying right now makes no sense to me or you or my listeners. All I have to say is that I can't thank you enough for spending the time with me. Uh, it's been so good to catch up. Uh, Got to see you soon. I miss you, pal. Uh, Go to visitmississippi.org, everybody, to check out all the great things you can do right here. I've been in the Mississippi's beautiful studios with my beautiful brother, Sam Collins. 
former 100 mile an hour downhill, straight downhill, incredible skier, incredible guy. Sam, I can't thank you enough, pal. I can't thank you enough, too, Steve. Love you, brother. You take care, and thank you. All right, brother. Take care. Bye-bye. Later on. All right, Sammy. Hey, Will, I need to do an, a third segment intro, outro. I apologize. We were rolling. Here we go. My pal Sam Collins, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visitmississippi.org. So many awesome things to do right here. Just a short drive away. You'll love it. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. Rolling down a Mississippi Minute. Toward the end of this, baby. I'm Steve Azar. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm with my pal, former U.S. ski team member, All-American in college, national champion, Sam Collins. Uh, it's been a long time since so we've caught up. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out everything you can do right here. Oh, yeah. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. I'm still trying to find my way. Hey, folks. Steve Azar here. My friends at Guarantee Bank are setting the standard in banking. So Guarantee Bank is committed to excellence in financial services and their delivery to strengthen the communities they serve and help improve the quality of life for those all-important areas. So make your reservation today. Their doors are open. Just schedule your appointment and reserve your spot prior to visiting them at gbtonline.com. The entire team of Guarantee Bank are committed to serving you and keeping you and their staff safe during these unprecedented times. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.